0: Good morning, good evening from across the nation and around the world. Once again, you're listening to the VMware Community Podcast. This is episode number 359, and my name's Ryan Johnson, otherwise known as At1030AM, pretty much everywhere. So, here's the deal, guys. I've been trying to drop a show on the updates and the goodness of vRealize Automation 7 for some time now, and frankly, it's been damn near impossible. And I think it's because my friend, Jad Alzine has either blocked me on email or Twitter, or he's headed out of the country again. But no matter, um, we've got real engineers on the show today. Uh, sorry, Jet. <laughs> so, joining me today, uh, we have Kim Delegato and John Schulman to talk about all things VRA and what they're cooking up for the hands-on labs. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Hi, Ryan. Thanks for joining. So, as we usually do with our guests, guys, tell us a little bit about yourself and how long you've been at VMware and what is it that you really do at VMware? And we'll start with the queen of automation herself, Kim.
2: Well, Ryan, I am really curious to know what I really do at VMware. I've been here since uh, 2010, so uh, I guess that's six years, actually. My anniversary was a couple days ago. Now that I think about it, it was on April Fool's.
0: Congratulations.
2: But I am on the cloud automation engineering team, the, which is responsible not only for vRealize automation, but also for Orchestrator and uh, uh, what else do we do? Anyway, a couple of other things, um, CodeStream, et cetera. And uh, I do a variety of things on that team, um, but it's I, I have a very customer-oriented and field-oriented role on the engineering team, which is um, a bit unusual, and I do uh, a bit of architect work, uh, design work, uh, customer support, escalation support, um, hands-on labs, so I, I, do, uh, I support all of our betas, so I do all kinds of stuff.
0: How do you find the time? I mean, you've got you to fit it in between your tweets, so...
2: <laughs> right, exactly, and I try to do a little bit of blogging here and there as well, a tiny bit.
0: Awesome, awesome. Thank you, Kim. So, John, tell us a little bit about yourself. When, What is it you really do at VMware?
1: <laughs> so I have a little bit of a better definition of what it is that I do, <laughs> although I'm in a transition phase right now. Oh. Uh, so I've been with VMware for just about uh, two and a half years, and uh, I came in and, and was hired originally as a cloud automation specialist for the public sector uh, team, uh, the same team that the illustrious Jad Zayn used to be on. So he and I were coworkers for a good amount of time. Uh, and I'm now actually in the middle of transitioning from that role into a core engineering role as a product owner for the VRealize Automation product. Awesome! So I'll be working more
0: closely with our development and R&D organization. So I know. And direct. with
2: me, unfortunately.
0: <laughs> I know directly who to go to when I have questions: Kim or John. <laughs> we all know Jad won't answer my questions. <laughs> So, hey guys, uh, so this release, um, we've seen some amazing features and capabilities, and you know I really don't know where to start. you know at a high level, um, some of these features and capabilities as I understand them, they include you know a streamlined architecture, a killer deployment wizard, federated identity management with VMware identity manager. We've got the unified service designer, converged blueprints, a drag and drop <laughs> designer, and uh, addition of software components, exportable blueprints as versionable code. And lifecycle extensibility as uh, with the event broker so guys where should we start uh, maybe with the architecture and deployment we can talk about what's changed in this in this uh life 7
2: release sure yeah it's good always a good place to start so we've actually simplified the architecture this uh, with this release uh, Um, Like you mentioned, we are no longer dependent on SSO or SSO2, and we've actually uh, consumed the VMware Identity Manager um, and embedded that onto our vRealize Automation appliance directly, so that eliminates the need for an external SSO tool or SSO appliance. Um, And that is embedded and automatically clustered and and made HA and all of that uh, uh, the same way that the rest of the vRealize Automation services are are done um, and we've also included VRO on the appliance which as you know was was done in the past and in, in the 6x releases but with um, with 7x we've um, also made that very easy to um, to cluster and, and make uh, by simply adding additional virtual appliances to the cluster um, and so we we do support um, using the embedded VRO. It hasn't been completely scale tested yet, but we're working on that, um, and and more will be forthcoming on the scale testing. We do also still support the external VRO if customers want to go that way.
0: Oh, great, great. So essentially, we've we've taken the the in the from an architecture perspective, where we've simplified things instead of um, having multiple different appliances uh, and configuration, you have basically one appliance that has, you know, the core components for VRA. Uh, you have uh, VIDM built in, the vPostgres database is built in, as well as VRO, the latest VRO, and you can scale that horizontally, hor- horizontally behind a load balancer, correct? Correct. Correct. Now, can you start off, um, I know back in the, the the 6X days, if you wanted to do a uh, distributed environment, you need to just start off distributed. With the seven O, could you start with a, a single node and scale out from there, behind a the load balancer? You,
2: you can. Uh, you can actually. You can use CNames or you could use a load balancer and use a single instance behind the load balancer and then you can um, kind of take a single leg deployment and add nodes as needed to make that HA.
1: It is easier to start with a uh, high availability deployment but it's certainly possible to scale to one later.
0: That's how I like to start off anyway. <laughs> I mean, you know the work I'm... Well, Kim, Kim's aware of the work that we're doing over in the VMware Valet of design, so we start, we start off highly distributed anyway. Um, right. So with the installation, um, as, as I've seen it and I, I've used it, it's, it's so much simpler to even just to deploy this new architecture. Can you talk about the actual the workflow and how that's changed and how we've how we streamlined that deployment?
2: Absolutely. So what we've done is we actually introduced a management agent um, for the IaaS components back in six two two, And we start out with the, uh, on all of the Windows hosts, we still require the, the, the various uh, IaaS hosts. And we start out with those. Um, and... Um, and we install the the management agent and once we have the management agent installed and registered back to the virtual appliance that were that were the main virtual appliance, the one we're starting the install with, uh, we can then run the entire installation from the wizard on that uh, number one appliance. So it makes it very easy to go through um, and put all of your information in. It um, now has included in that the validation for the um, the IaaS boxes, so the prerequisite checker, um, so we don't have to use an external script any longer, um, as well as the fixes for the prereq checker. So we can not only have a single click prereq checker um, from the wizard, but a fix button that actually works. So that's pretty awesome as well.
0: So during, so during my installation, I can choose, you know, if I want like a, a, a minimal installation, I can choose an enterprise installation, which is obviously distributed. And then I yep. have the option of configuring my my IAS boxes and and they're different roles as the Windows boxes. So essentially, I would take yes. a, a Windows box, say it's a Windows Server 2012 R2, and I would you know clone that off, and they would have the agent. I could I could pop the agent on these guys, and, yep. and from there those basically would be configured to talk to my deployment instance where I'm deploying uh, VRA seven, and it would say hey I'm right here. I'm you know I'm ready for you to install stuff on me. And yep. from there, it will say, "Okay, let's check you. Let's check you out and see how good you are, right? And let's see if you have any prerequisites that are needed." And it will push down and re- it will check and remediate any prerequisites. Is that correct?
2: Correct. Yes. yes. There so. I, on all of the uh, on all the Windows boxes, the, there are a couple of exceptions. I think on the SQL host itself, where we're not going to going to mess with mm. um, People SQL boxes because DBAs kind of don't like that. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> there are there are a couple exceptions to that rule, but uh, that would be but on the Windows boxes themselves, the IAS hosts, yes.
0: Okay, so. Uh and so that's no is that is that still using Brian Graff's Script on the back end or is it just completely <laughs> rewritten, or come on, let's give us the let's give us the goods, right? We've all used Brian so, Brian script.
2: <laughs> we you know we've all used Brian scripts and that was absolutely the starting place uh that, that we used. Um we productized it, we added enhancements to it, but yes, that was definitely the place that we started.
0: That's terrific. See see Brian, yeah. you it lives on it lives on, right? And Absolutely Um and so you also, so it pushes out, you can choose basically the role of each box, correct?
2: Absolutely. Correct. So it gives you a list of all of the uh, IaaS hosts that you've registered uh, using that management agent, and then it's just check boxes to say which bits I want to install on which on which hosts.
0: That's amazing. That just makes life a lot
2: so easier. <laughs> the other thing it does is it greatly simplifies uh, certificate management. So uh, now we just have a single certificate that's uh, used across the virtual appliances um, and, um, and it's, you know, you enter the certificates as part of the wizard and they get pushed out and installed automatically.
0: So, so, so you brought it up, right, and certificates are kinda something I, I kinda get, have, have fun with. Um, so, certi- from, and I deal with this in the VMware Valley Designs a little bit, so with the certificates, when you're doing the deployment, do, will it actually use like the Gen. To create the um, the CSR CSR, or how does that work? Do you do that outside, or does it happen during the process where you can generate a CSR?
2: Uh, you can generate self-signed, but if you're going to, I think if you're going to use uh, signed certs, you have to generate that outside.
0: Okay. So feature request here. <laughs> put that <Yeah>. in, <laughs> put that in the installer so I can go ahead request the CSR. Um, of course, that usually exactly. takes. That usually takes a while, even with security folks. So uh, yeah, maybe we'll do, we'll do something a little bit different there. And so that pushes the certificates down to the the VRA appliances as well as all the all services and the IaaS boxes.
2: Yep, you have to put in different certificates for the IaaS host. You need one for the web and one for the management uh, tier. But yes.
0: Okay. Can, could you use a um, a wildcard on, on on those, or would you use separate certificates?
2: Uh, we support wildcard, right, John?
0: Yes. Yeah, you should be. You can use a wildcard multi-sensor. Yep. yep. All right. Cool. Cool. Um, so let's say when, once you get it deployed, I mean, how long does it usually take to deploy something like with this new wizard? Is it, um, you know, thirty minutes, an hour? I mean, what, what's the what, what's what's the difference is on the time to deploy now with this new? Well, wizard? depending on
1: your uh, depending on your infrastructure, of course. Uh, Kim and I have probably each done about a hundred of these deployments at this point. <laughs> and uh, if you have a good, speedy, you know, enterprise-ready infrastructure, uh, you can realistically expect it to do a uh, a simple install inside of about an hour, be up and ready to go. Okay,
0: and that's a distributed inv- distributor, or is that like the? the no, min- that's the that's the simple min- install where it's only oh,
1: okay. doing the one host. When you have to do multiple okay. hosts, of
0: course, it adds a little extra time per okay. host. So that's the minimal versus the enterprise the enterprise yeah. deployment. Cool. Now. One thing I noticed um, during the installation was this option to do, it requested like a, what was it, an initial, initial like configuration admin for initial content creation. Can you talk about what that is in the installer and what it does?
2: Sure. Yep, it, go for it, John. Okay.
1: Well, so the initial content creation, what that does is it's actually uh, an xas based form, that's going to go out and ask you some basic questions about your infrastructure, uh, things like authentication, you know, credentials, and the the host name of your vCenter, for example. Mm -hmm. And it'll stand up a basic tenant for you, a basic business group, set up a basic reservation, query that that vCenter, uh, create the endpoint, set that up, and then give you the option to consume existing vSphere templates as new blueprint objects, you know, exposed catalog items. So it really rapidly gets you from an installation to a usable production or, or you know, usable and ready uh, VRA implementation. You know, we may not necessarily recommend it for full production use without testing and
0: evaluation, but right. it gets you to the point where you can deploy some workloads right away very quickly. That's pretty cool. I mean, if you're putting this in a home lab or test environment to just te- test and kick the tires, that's an easy way to get it up and running out of the box really quickly just post deployment. That's that's really cool. So, um, anything else on the installation and the streamlined deployment that you like to add? Huh? So let's. I don't have anything. About. All right, cool. So let's talk a little bit about this uh, new. And Kim, you mentioned this earlier. Um, this this federated identity management, right? We we've we've, we've kind of kicked the in the 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 identity manager appliance, which was based off SSO 2.0. Well, I don't. Be nice and say we kind of kicked it to the curb, right? But we we put in the uh, VMware Identity Manager for some very specific reasons. Can you talk about those reasons and what it provides? Um, the SSO just didn't didn't provide us.
2: Yep. So uh, it again, it's based off. It's called the VMware Identity Manager, um, and we replaced it um, primarily to do. Uh, with scale, so it's designed and built to to manage uh, users at a much higher scale than than what SSO was really designed to do. Um, you know, SSO was really designed to manage um, a, a fairly small number of uh, VI admins and whatnot. Whereas, uh, you know, we need to be able to support um, hundreds or maybe even thousands of um, of users. Uh, so it it actually syncs um, users now to a local um, minimal user information to a local database, local data store, which allows us to actually have a much more performant uh, experience for the users at login time or when it needs to figure out what groups they're a member of and whatnot. Obviously we're still going out to AD to do the, uh, the authentication. It also provides us with um, enhanced uh, ability to do integration um, with third-party tools for SAML token um, authentication.
0: So essentially, we've got the ability to have uh, increased scale, better integration with other, uh, you know, out-of-the-box authentication methods, right? Kerberos, SAML authentication. Maybe if you even have a your own very specific authentication inside your inside your your environment, you could essentially write an integration um, with that authentication. And we can now we've simplified the topology, right? It's it built into the appliance. We don't into the into the VRA appliance. It's replicated between the two. We don't have to have, to have this separate appliance. We have the ability um, to have that. It's got an internal VPostgres database, as I understand it, and yep. and basically what we have the ability to do is instead of having uh, like SSO the SSO or the identity manager appliance it would basically query and say, let me find that user, get all its groups, the whole, the whole chain, and pull that back. And there were some issues around that in the past. But now we basically can say, listen, what are the groups or groups from an OU or OUs that you want to sync? Sync those down with a very minimal subset of, um, of attributes. And then when we find, find that user, we can just say, okay, well, we've got the user, and now we can authenticate them through. Correct. 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 And it also gives us some some abilities to do a lot more with, with tenants, as I understand it, some things around branding, and uh, it's, it's out-of-the-box tenant-aware.
2: It is, and um, it also allows us to do uh, the splash screen, so the initial login screen can be branded now by tenant, which is definitely something that we couldn't do um, with... With the tools that we used in the past, so <laughs> not,
0: definitely. Not, not officially, right?
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there were some of us that that wanted to change things, and I can tell you that was a uh, that was actually a big issue. I mean, um, I live. I well, most folks know where I live, and I worked with a large entertainment company that had that exact same issue, and they wanted to brand the tenant, you know, brand their their multiple tenants, and uh, they had a closer cool yep. r- routes. This makes it easy and out of the it's an out of the box configuration for that branding, which. You know, some folks think it isn't important, but we definitely heard it was important from our customers as well as our PSO. Absolutely. Um, but we got branding. we got SAML ingesting. We have two-factor authentication, as I understand, as well. Correct. Yep. And, and one of the things that I liked um, was that we have the Kerberos authentication, If you're, and if your browser is set through just to pass the credentials through, you can log into VRA without having to actually log in if you're logged into your, your system. That, is, am I right on that?
2: Yep, <laughs> Yep, with lots of, lots of great uh, new, new features. Cool. Um, so the other thing that we can, it, it uh, also gives us much better support for uh, multiple domains um, within a single tenant and also uh, a single domain used in multiple tenants, which we didn't really have uh, good support for in the past.
0: Awesome, awesome. So one of the things that I really love, um, and I spend a lot of time this weekend... Playing with it um, was some of the uni- new unified service design uh, aspects, right? And I mentioned like, uh, well, I'll let you guys talk about it. Tell, tell us all about this new unified service de- service design. You know, all the options that are b- available inside. Go for it, John. All right. Yeah. So this is this is my uh, my new area
1: of expertise. So the uh, the blueprint designer is is one of the things that I'm going to be covering in my new role. Awesome. Um, and so, you know, it's really, it's a great new way of visualizing the way that we can design uh, services both at scale and and in a more simple fashion. Uh, you know, it, it's certainly easier than what we had available in, in VRA 6, where we now have a simple drag-and-drop kind of a canvas that you can bring different objects from your service palette over into. Mm-hmm. So you'll have a list on the left-hand side of all of the different uh Machine types, be they a vSphere machine or you know an AWS machine or a vCloud Air machine,
0: and there's, uh, a, there's all, a huge list of them too. I mean, like it's oh. there's quite it's pretty comprehensive.
1: It covers anything that we can support as an endpoint. Uh, you can bring in as a machine type, and then you can also add um, all of your on-demand NSX security and networking services uh, or your software components if you have the appropriate license level. We can bring in. Uh, all the different types of uh, software that you may want to install onto these machines. Um, We can leverage uh, XAs, which used to be called ASD, so we can use all of those custom services and VRO workflows and all of the extensibility can be consumed directly as objects on the canvas as well. And then you can do things like set up dependencies between the different components and the different types of machines. You can mix and match machines, so you have a single Blueprint that deploys both vCloud Air and on premise vSphere components simultaneously, I mean, it just becomes this whole new world of uh, extremely flexible deployment and, and really capable and easy to visualize.
0: Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of what we had in the, um, what was it called? Uh, app, uh... I mean application <laughs> director or or whatever it was called. Yeah. I, mean, I mean you call it a blueprint canvas and it's 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 actually to me it's this is a really beautiful interface. You know, you kinda see the you know the 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 pica boxes, right? And you can literally just go and decide, I want this machine and this machine or machines, uh and drag and drop, you know, put in dependencies, uh between services or components or between machines you can drag and drop like you said on demand services like i want i want i want on demand load balancer from nsx right I, I can drag and drop my network my network connections you know I'll, whether it's a you know an nsx logical switch or you know a vlan backport, you just drag and drop and connect and wire these things up through a visual interface and then even even another piece is like the, these the whole concept of the software components is 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 amazing you can add, com- add these software components. You can put dependencies on other, other components that are in there. You can set up, like, Bash or Command or PowerShell scripts to actually do the installs. Maybe you have, I don't know, maybe you want to choose, you know, Microsoft SQL Server, right? And you could have something that will go and run a PowerShell script and, and silently install SQL Server. Or, uh, as in what I've seen uh, and with some of, the, some of the demos you guys have done, it's just a simple WordPress deployment, right? Um, Yep, absolutely, and then one of
1: the really cool things is that not only uh, do we have this great visual way to design these blueprints, but because we've got the new underlying capability to export and import these blueprints as uh, standard YAML format code bits, uh, we've actually got a series of community and VMware-vetted blueprint exchange forums where you can actually download predefined, out-of-the-box, or community-driven content. So you mentioned that ability to spin up a SQL server silently. Uh, That's something you can download straight from uh, the VMware Solution Exchange, uh, Or there's actually some available directly on the appliance when you deploy it that will allow you to do some of those deployments very simply. We've already built them and made them available as an importable object. So you can bring them in, you can manage them, you can import, export, manipulate uh, to your heart's content, and it just becomes very simple to to visualize and manipulate those. So that that's a, that, let's let's talk about it a little
0: more. I mean, that's to me that's huge. I, I, I was playing around with it. You know, I was in the best client. I could export the blueprint uh, into a YAML file, and I was thinking, you know, I can take this um, and literally I could put I could check this into my, my my source control, right? I could throw it up on GitHub. I could version it. I could manage it, and I could import it. I, I, can, I can share it with others. I mean, this is the VMware community podcast, right? Uh, we're talking about community. You can put, you can, can you self-publish these onto like the solution exchange? or is there, How does that happen? How can you share these and, and, and drive that community around creating these blueprints as code?
1: Well, so you won't be able to self-publish them on the Solution Exchange, but we do have what we call our, our Sample Exchange, okay. which is a community-driven site that's intended for exactly that. So the Solution Exchange is really meant for the more commercially-oriented, VMware-vetted, vendor-provided, or third-party, internally-provided uh, content that we've had the chance to, to actually validate. But the Sample Exchange is intended for the community-sharing of community-driven content. Uh, so that would be exactly the place to do that sort of thing, or you could even just leverage these internally and share them between you know your your development and your test instances or between your your u s and your European operations if they had two different uh you know instances of v r a you could absolutely collaborate and send these
0: blueprints back and forth between sites I, I, so it's really uh becomes I'm, very easy i'm thinking right now of how you could possibly integrate this with uh the content library. <laughs> 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 to put those in the content library and be able to pull those in and out. I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> that would be pretty cool. Yeah. I, so if anybody wants to write a VMware paper about how to do that, um, go go ahead. Um, it's it's just amazing. So am I correct in, in understanding, you know, before we had this whole concept of these single machine and multi-machine blueprints. Now it's just one campus, right? We've just simplified the whole thing. right. Point.
1: That's correct. There's no no longer a differentiation between single and multi machines. Everything is a converged canvas uh, that contains one or many machines.
0: So can you talk a little about the uh, integration with NSX um, and some of the out of box uh, integrations? Um, we, we mentioned the you know on demand the on demand like load balancers. You know, can you talk about how easy it is to configure configure the networks, configure these services? I know in the in that lab when we can talk about the lab you guys have built, um, you've got some demos on that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it's actually, it's very easy to consume those NSX services. Uh, once you've got NSX in your environment, it's it's as simple as dragging those services to the canvas uh, from that palette, again, that we mentioned earlier, where you can simply say, I want to have an NSX load balancer, and you drag it to the canvas, and you select which ports you'd like to load balance, and, and on which servers those ports are going to exist. Mm-hmm. Um, you can specify NSX security groups so that the machines... Are provisioned immediately into restricted security areas uh so that they can be you know sectioned off as is appropriate for the environment right away, so, so like no if, more
0: so like if you had a predefined security group for web servers or or MySQL servers, you could have something with already the the right ports uh restricted or open I should say right um for the specific types of uh, profiles
1: absolutely. Right. And the and the integration with NSX enables our micro segmentation like we've never been able to do uh, never be able to do it any easier before it's a checkbox right <laughs> <It's> a check <laughs> <box>. it <laughs> is exactly just a checkbox uh, so we can now you know actually make that a much a much simpler automated reality than than ever before
0: that's incredible uh, it is, is there anything else you want to add on the whole, on the converge blueprint I mean the Converge blueprint it's to, to me it's it's fantastic. I, I loved using it. I love playing around with it. I can see so much potential of even, you know, how, how to use that. Um, what kind of what kind of samples are out there for blueprints today? Um, you mentioned that we've got some out of the box, but what are you what are you seeing uh, folks creating on the sample exchange?
1: Uh, it's been a while since I've looked at the sample exchange. Actually, Kim, do you have you seen anything new out there?
2: Um, I haven't seen anything recently, but I know some of the ones that. Uh, that we are planning or are shipping out of the box include, like, a SharePoint Blueprint, um, which is, you know, Windows 2012, SharePoint, IIS, MS SQL, and .NET, um, a SQL Server, MS SQL Server Blueprint. um, That's awesome. (laughs) A LAMP stack. i have got a LAMP
1: J stack as well, so uh, Java as opposed to PHP.
0: Oh, that's amazing. That's awesome. Love it.
2: Yep. So, we have a few different ones that are available and uh, I think some of those actually come, uh, the the files actually come, you know, kind of pre-installed on and available on the appliance. You don't even have to go to Sample Exchange to get them and, and import them.
0: Cool. So, there's also, a, and I didn't get too deep into this, but there's also the um, some new enhancements around an event broker. Can you... <laughs> can, you can you demystify that for me? I mean, I, I, I think I essentially understand it, but I don't want to butcher it, so so give it to me straight. That's Kim's baby. Uh, all right.
2: All right, so the, the Event Broker uh, is our new extensibility uh, platform. If you... Uh, so this would replace, you know, before we had, uh, you know, a handful of... Um, uh, the... Uh, the hooks that you could that you could leverage during the machine provisioning phase mm-hmm. of uh of provisioning and you know we were limited to i think it was it was 5 or 6 then throughout the life cycle of a of a machine at provisioning time at teardown time and and i think one at maybe maybe at reconfigure i can't remember anyway so we were limited to a small number of of hooks where we could actually uh, you know call out to a vro workflow to do something interesting or something new And, um, you know, those were tied to specific Blueprints, um, and you had to actually go and associate each uh, workflow stub or VRO workflow with the stub related to a specific Blueprint on a Blueprint-by-Blueprint basis. Uh, So now we have um, the Event Broker, which is actually um, a service. It's a new service within um, the... The appliance itself, um, and it's driven. It's based off of uh, a Rabbit MQ queue, and it has uh, a support for not only uh, uh, three times as many um, uh, lifecycle states that we that we saw with the workflow stubs, uh, but we can also hook into other parts, other uh, um, other components. So we can use it, for example, um, prior to kicking off an approval, um, so we could use it for approval assignment, we could use it for um, external approvals if we wanted to. So we can call out to a third party um, ITSM tool to actually generate an approval and wait for it to be completed and then come back and, uh, and complete it within VRA. So we have the concept of, of, of what we call um, uh, blocking events which would uh, again stop the process of provisioning mm-hmm. until that blocker is is resolved. So, and these are all leveraging VRealize Orchestrator. Um, and uh, like I said, there's just a, a ton of great flexibility here.
0: So let me get this straight, like you mentioned like the appro- the approvals. I can replace the default out of box approvals if I want to and actually create a blocking task that would actually send that to like a service now, if I wanted to, and wait Absolutely. for it to go through approval, and then it would kick back and say, "Oh, you know, Kim's approved it. You're good to go, and go to the next, you know, next approval, or just complete the machine provisioning."
1: Definitely, that's correct. And that's a great time for us to plug our lab again.
0: All right, so let's actually talk about that talk about this lab. Uh, what is it? When's it coming out? Kim, I know you've done some, uh, you're doing some marketing stuff around it. So let's give it to us straight.
2: Absolutely. So it's HOLSDC1633. It's the What's New and Realize Automation 7 Lab. John and I and a couple of our other uh, team members have built this uh, again from the ground up. Um, And it covers everything that we've talked about today, including the Event Broker, um, including a a great sample of uh, using external uh, approvals via an ITSM tool. We also do have a CMDB example in there, so going out and updating a CMDB or creating a CMDB item uh, as a machine's created. Um, so we have a, a few different event broker examples, um, and again, it's it's a what's new lab, so it's it it covers a lot of material. It's not super in depth, but uh, but it gives you examples of all the different things that we've talked about today.
0: It's an incredible lab. I, I like I mentioned uh, earlier, I spent some time because uh, in the in our pre-release uh, environment checking and out, kicking the tires in our one cloud, and uh, incredible lab. Great manual, great content, lots of exercises that literally go through everything that we've talked about, Kim, Kim and John said. Uh, when is this lab going to be available, guys?
2: So we, we have... A, on
0: the, uh, oh, go ahead.
2: Oh, I was going to say it starts on uh, April 19th. It's going to be uh, kicked off for the vForum that uh, VMware is sponsoring, and uh, it will be made public, I think... Uh, on that day, on the day of the V forum, which That's I believe awesome. is April nineteenth. All
0: right, so guys, make sure your listeners uh, watch out for H O L S D D C sixteen thirty three. What's new in VRealize Automation Seven? Correct. Correct. Awesome. So, uh, anything you can share? What you, what else you might be working on that you can share?
2: Well, yeah. the the one <laughs> the one module we haven't talked about uh, that we did cover is actually the the uh, login site content pack for VRA. I
0: didn't uh, see
2: it. It's actually the uh, the last lab in the module in the in sixteen thirty three, um, and I actually have a, a beta copy of the the content pack in there. Um, it will be released any day now. Uh, actually, I think it might have been released today, um, and uh, but that's a, working off of a pre release of that. Content pack, so that's been taking a fair bit of my time re- lately.
0: I remember talking to you not too long ago about uh, the creation of that content pack and and you know parsing the logs and tracking the logs and creating that content pack. So it's been a, I guess we would say this has been a labor of love. Or <laughs> Absolutely,
2: all all of them have been. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's awesome. That's incredible. It's good to see that that's in there. Um, and that's the last module in in the lab.
2: Correct. That's yep. Great.
0: John, what about you, man? Anything else you've been working on that you want to share?
1: Oh, the great new stuff I've been working on is things I can't talk about just
0: yet. He's already getting used to it.
1: I know. But what I can say is stay tuned because there's ever so much more great stuff to come.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Well, you know, I know you guys are both very involved in the community. We see you guys make tweets and such. But for those who, who want to find out more, follow you, How can they find you? Uh, Kim, where can folks find you and uh, get more information, follow you, and such?
2: Twitter's the easiest way to get me, at KCDautomate.
0: So uh, you can
1: find me on Twitter as well, or on my blog. Uh, I'm the the V-Aficionado. That's V-Aficionado, F-I-C-I-A-N-O-D-O, I -I I think. All right. You got that wrong. Uh, (laughs) And my blog is the same, at V-Aficionado.com. You can find me either of those places anytime.
0: Guys, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on to talk about Viralized Automation 7. Remember to check out, let's say, H-O-L, SDDC, 1633. It should be available mid to, we'll say mid to late uh, April, right?
2: Yep, and join us for the V Forum on April 19th.
0: Awesome. Guys, thanks for everything and all that you do in the VMware community, and we'll chat soon.